It's the Tillcast episode 527, Back in My Day. And this week, guys, we talk more against the storm. God of War Ragnarok. Okay. Tactics Ogre Reborn. And not for broadcast. Stay tuned. Damn whippersnappers. It might be better than Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. 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 It's the tilt cut. Woo! We're oh my back. God. Stop. Stop pinging me. All right. <laughs> well, maybe if you turn your pings off. I don't know how. <laughs> it is 30 something degrees at 2.18 p.m. Hold November on. the let 12th. Me, uh, let me. I gotta move this mountain of fucking beer can. Uh, 35 degrees in the Northlands on the 12th of November at like uh, 319. It's uh, 219 in the Central Lands. And in, in, yeah, standard time. Whatever. <laughs> Just because you're in the middle doesn't necessarily mean you're right. Hey, it means it means everything we do is right. Are We're in wrong? the middle. You're very wrong. It's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm Rusty. We've already started the <laughs> bullshit, so let's get started. <laughs> oh, oh God! I'm happy today. I don't give a fuck. These guys woke me up from my nap <laughs> at three o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, whatever. I just, <laughs> I just spent the last 20 minutes clipping out and clipping in laugh tracks. All right. Yeah, that was a really uh, that was a really odd thing. I did not expect you to do it, to be honest with you. You would you would joke that you were going to do it. And I joked that we don't ever edit anything out. Just edit that out. Um, But. <clears throat> You know, editing. Yay. Hey, there we are. We, we don't, <laughs> we barely ever edit anything in. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. No, it, hardly ever. It was <laughs> just a funny meme. But mm-hmm. you know what? So since we're talking about, like, once you say it, you can't, there's no take backs. Um, we are about six weeks behind on our anniversary episode, our 12th anniversary episode. So. Yeah. We're going to do it next yeah. week. <laughs> we're going to push it off for another week, is what we're trying to we're, say. Yeah, yeah we're, we're just not going to do it right now. We have some things planned, but we're just, it's not a space where it'll come off smooth, so we opted not to do it. You know, after doing this for 12 years, we're just like, mm, that's not going to come off right. <laughs> no, no, it's not going to, but 12 fucking years. Yeah, I didn't, Nuts, wa- man. I didn't want to wing that. No, no. Well, we gotta, we gotta plan a little bit more than. Uh, uh, it it <laughs> got cold. What? <laughs> like that's any kind of excuse, right? It got cold, so our brains don't yeah. work, and I just want to take a cold. nap right now. It got cold a day ago. I know, right? It was seventy degrees up Wait. here about. Uh, oh, is it? Uh, two days ago. Yeah, seventy fucking degrees in November is like. Mm, winter's gonna happen soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... Winter happened the next day. 
it snowed this morning. <laughs> Goddamn That's, slow rain. It's supposed to snow here Pretty. Monday. Really? Yeah. <laughs> did you stock up on your bread and milk? No. No? No. Uh, but I did um did make some red sauce for multiple things. Ooh. Jason, while he was doing things and stuff, we had our game night last night, and I'll talk a little bit more about it, but we didn't really have it because Jason had some obligations. Um, so I made everybody else who ever was Trangetos with some yeah, – it. I amped up the spice a little bit. Um, it would have been – it would have I'm been so sad I missed that. That would have been worth the pain. Yeah, it was. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, so I have my own little bit of a spin on it. This is so slightly sacrilegious, but um, I love caramelized onions, right? So, oh my God. Huevos rancheros is essentially like diced potatoes with scrambled eggs or fried eggs. I preferred scrambled because it mixes better with the potatoes. Um, your choice of cheese, usually. You know, you can use Oaxaca if you're getting fancy and you can find a supermercado that has it in fucking stock. Or the just use fucking Monterey Jack. It tastes great, too. So that's what I used. And then um, you make a red sauce, right? Like what you would for enchiladas. Don't get that canned bullshit. That stuff's nasty. Um, and then you mix in chorizo with your eggs, add a little bit of extra spice, however you want it. I happen to not need a lot of extra spice because I knew the red sauce would pretty much complement all of it. Um, and then I added a bunch of extra shit. So I added a bunch of diced bacon in there. And then I added um, a little bit of jalapeno to it. Of course, added bay leaves to my red sauce, which I know that sounds weird, but it gives it a nice, smooth taste. Um, then mixed in caramelized onions with my diced red potatoes, fried red potatoes. And uh, so you put it in a bowl. You put your eggs over the top of that with its chorizo. Put the Monterey Jack cheese on top and then cover it in sauce. And then I had some like leftover dinner rolls in the freezer. So I heated those fuckers up and we had we were all really fucking fat last night. Um. But yeah, it was pretty good. It, there wasn't anything left. And there was just three of us. So I know I did all right. Oh, oh that it saddens me so much I ended up having a mess last night. For uh, camping? Why would you uh, what? So that's that's <laughs> the part that like I'm gonna need you to explain yourself Wait, on the what? camping because it so was like twenty the, something uh, degrees this morning. Yeah, so the uh, the Girl Scouts had a camping trip planned for uh, all of the uh, junior girls for uh, for this weekend. Um, and my wife being the one troop mother who is CPR certified and first aid certified has to go to all event, all camping events, even if our daughter, our daughter who's still in Girl Scouts, which happens to be the youngest uh, and not in the junior class, um, she still has to go attend these things. So um, basically because of the the weather this weekend um, and the last couple days with all the rain and then it getting cold, um, Basically, the 
the troop organizers who were uh, basically they're the people who work actually work for Girl Scouts of America um, told all the troops that um, they needed to have everyone who was going to be a part of setup go in yesterday late afternoon evening um, to help uh, modify and set up camp for the colder and wetter conditions. So basically, Crystal ended up having to go last night instead of early this morning to go get everything set up. That. Mm. Uh, so, wow. okay. They have like. I mean, this is cold camping weather, regardless of where you're at, unless you're a fucking explorer. Like, they just decided to just push on through it? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's what Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts do. But they just... I I don't... Uh-uh. No, there's no way. <laughs> no, no way. I'm, no, it's too cold. Camping in I sub-zero mean, they, weather, like, requires, like, the, getting fucking expensive-ass sleeping bags. <laughs> right. Now, they do have... uh. Like we a only, couple I was, of actual, they do have a couple of actual cabin buildings. Yeah, that's for for if it gets cold. Um, but there's, of course, these being older cabins, there's no like central heat and air, so it's literally um, the basically the several moms had to be up there to get the cabins opened up. Um, get them, you know, get them heated, you know, so did your wife spend the night in the cold? heaters, etc. Yep. Was she happy about that? Um, I can't say that she was, uh, super happy, but it was <laughs> an obligation <laughs> that she could not get out of. <laughs> Would you be happy about that? What kind of question is that? I just, Would you, were you happy to do that? No, I think that would be I'm the happy final to go straw. freeze my ass off in that'd the middle be, of a fucking like that'd be the final mm-hmm. straw for me on like all right who else who's two other people that can be CPR certified so that we can do this all winter and not like freeze to death that said uh she does have a sub zero like sleeping bag so don't matter uh, I know it keeps you a, a balmy like 55 degrees in that it's it's pretty toasty, but yeah. Inside that, literally everywhere no. else, not so. Yeah, you're sleeping Granted, on cold ass ground. As long as like it's a it's a cabin, even if said cabin doesn't have central heat and air, I would rather camp this time of year and have to use a sleeping bag and all that versus uh, versus camping out during summer. Unless it's going to be wet. If it's going to be wet, I want to be out in it. And luckily, the rain the rain died yesterday, so <laughs> that was the thing. That sounds fucking miserable. You know, so I was an Eagle Scout, and there was, I don't remember everything about it, but I do remember doing a couple survival trips, but all the dads were also equally, they just throw the man card out, like, I say, when I say throw the man card out. What I mean by that is they would w- wimp out occasionally on some of this stuff unless we specifically needed to do something for survival and then they would just be like no we're not we're going to reschedule this <laughs> this is we're miserable 
<laughs> we're, we're not going to go build the lean to. I mean, we'll build the lean to and we'll look at it and we'll be like, yeah, you did the lean to. You know, we but had we're that, not sleeping in that shit. But we're we not sleeping here. We're going to the hotel down the road. Yeah, one of the one of the dads was like an ex like colonel or something, right? And uh I don't know. I don't know my military branches that well, but I want to say he was in the army, right? And he was fairly high up, but had a 30-year career in the army. So we had those like military tents, right? And then for any kind of like inclement weather, we all like had a standard, like we had, this is going to get ridiculous, but so there was a whole <laughs> list of like standardization that we had to do. And because I was like the senior patrol leader for the group for like three years, like again, this is why I'm a manager, I guess. Um <laughs> We set standards for everything that we were going to do, and then that way everything was the same. It was also easy for inventory, and so, like, we had these standard cots that we'd have that you'd always use once the weather got below 50 degrees. We weren't going to sleep on the ground. We'd use this type of tent, et cetera, and, of course, you know, we'd always be camping where there is no electricity, so it's not like you can build a fire in there, and there's only, like, one, it's called John Zink Ranch around here that had cabins, um... And they didn't want to deal with that bullshit. So it was usually sweat your balls off camping or cool camping. And then the only time we did shitty camping um, was on the survival stuff. And it would be like going out like we went up into the mountains in New Mexico and in Colorado and stuff like that. But well, nine times out of ten, they were going going where zinc. Yeah, that's yeah, that's been a it's been a scout camp for a long time. I've just been shaking my head this entire time. I guess that's the benefit of me not having kids. They don't have to deal with that shit. More power to you, Jason. Yep. Uh, That sounds miserable as shit. I didn't have to be out in it, so. (laughs) But you will, (laughs) because what's going to happen is, because she went through Girl Scouts, your your boy is going to want to go through Boy Scouts, probably. Yep. And then it'll be your turn in a few years. Yep. And then off as you go. much energy as your son has, this would be a perfect way to completely obliterate all of it. <laughs> as much as that is true, he is, uh, it is too goddamn expensive anymore to do Boy Scouts. Ah, gotcha. Well, here's that. I mean, you're, you're like, uh, it's been 25 uh, years since I was in the Boy Scouts, essentially. So I, I don't know anything nowadays. Yeah. It, it's basically like 300 a year. That's crazy. And then you still have to pay for other activities and shit on top of that. Yeah, that is kind of expensive for Boy Scouts. I, mean, I don't, I don't, do I don't remember what up the, here. I don't remember what the dues were, but I mean, I didn't pay them, right? Right. Yeah, so what, I'll be right back. But we don't have to, we didn't have to do any of that shit up, you know, up here. Like Boy Scouts, it was way too expensive. It was like all standardized. We don't like standard operating procedures around here. What we want to do, what you do is you get, uh, you get to the age where you can take hunter's training, hunter's, you know, hunter's education and get your, uh, your very first, uh, your very first hunter's license. Hunter's education. Yeah. You know, the basic firearms education for, uh, for hunters. There's, I forget, is it, what is, is that exactly, I, I can't remember exactly what they call it. Uh, but I remember taking that and then shortly afterwards having to go through driver's education uh, so that you could actually, uh, you know, 
get your very first firearms license for uh for deer up here and then and then you got your crash course on how to use your uh how's you how to use your family's rifle and then uh, out into the wilderness you went actually kind of like that idea because like i think everybody needs like a basic set of survival skills for like if something happens right and the vast majority of everybody like if something crazy happened, right, and we lost our power grid or whatever, just don't know what to do, mm-hmm. and they just evolve into people robbing each other um, until right. there was nothing left. Like, I know how to hunt. Is- I don't like hunting, to be honest with you, but I know how to hunt. I know how to fish. I'm awful at fishing. I can start a fire um, as long as I have basics, right? But I have built many fires from scratch, but just barely. I do it with flint and tinder, so. Right, right, right. Um, I know how to light a fire and when it's raining outside, right? And I don't need lighter fluid to light my charcoal. Um, Though I use a fire basket nowadays and not just (laughs) putting leaves in there. I don't want it to taste like leaves. But But that's different. You know, you're, you're... You're lighting up a smoker, not a not, not a, a camp survival, but a campfire though. Like I can light a campfire, no problem. Right, I know how to build a fire. Like I know several different ways to build a fire. Like all those things, like stayed with me. Thing that didn't stay with me was knots. I don't remember most of my knots, but I did. Yeah, I don't remember my knots either. But but then not again. tying anybody up anytime soon. But maybe I need to lash something together. Right, like I'm out of nails and I've got to lash shit together. So. I don't know. Those I think some of those basics would be helpful and may be helpful to me at some point in my life, right? Um mm. the very least kept me busy as fuck as a kid. Um I think I went uh I never actually paid any dues. I think I went uh for one uh one little fucking like you know, get together, meet, and um yeah, I pretty much determined from that point forward that it was not going to be for me <laughs> when i, was I a- learned i learned more about wilderness survival and how to fucking like get yourself out of the shit from deer camp than i ever did from fucking you know boy scouts yeah i mean we we had a thing where like so on the survival trips right we had emergency mres but the idea was to survive off the land and so the idea is if by dark you hadn't caught some kind of fish um, that you could eat, um, then you had the MRE to kind of like fall back on, but you had to wait till dark to in- eat the MRE. And the idea was to try to get fish. And more right. times than not that we could get the fish that we needed to eat for the day. We figured out like how much that we needed to, you know, eat. Like there's a lot of different things. So like we did a week's survival trip right in the mountains and like it's cold enough up there that like you can catch fish and essentially take um, an ice chest, right. And fill it full of cold water and leave them in that ice chest before you, you know, hit them over the head. Right. Um, and keep fish like for the next day if you need to. So right. like, um, I don't know, like marker board was my friend i planned all this stuff out like how many calories do each of you eat kind of thing like based on how much they were eating on a given trip right who has a marker board in a survival situation no planning this stuff out like beforehand Ah. like getting to know the people that were with me in it right like figuring out how much everybody needs to eat like how many fish does that equal 
how many different like wild onions or other bullshit you can find and forage as well. But like when it's that cold up there, like you don't, all you find is fish. There's, you might find some onions and get, get lucky. Yeah. But, or find some like mushrooms or something like that, but not in the cold. Um, I, maybe that's why I like survival games so much. It's possible. I, I mean, I like that kind of stuff, like having to kind of like adapt from a situation and make it work kind of stuff. I, that's the kind of stuff that challenges my head. It's the uh, it's the total sandbox. Try to figure your own way out. There is no objective, you know, per se. You just need to survive. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, what do you need to get going? Do I need I need to pick up some thatch and some wood so that or I can make it? It's it's like having a situation a situation in a game where you're giving given all the tools, but not an optimal. So I hate games that, especially now. I figured this out over a while. I don't like ad- adhering to this is the optimal loadout for winning this game, right? Or this is the optimal configuration for your character or whatever. The optimal situation to min max a game because it's no but, there's no adaptability and there's no challenge of that you're just working towards a goal that's already predefined on what works the best my brain likes figuring out what works good based on what you have and that challenge comes in survival games it comes in rpgs and stuff like that right like sometimes like you think about like old final fantasy games right and you found out that your white mage in Final Fantasy X, was also extremely powerful with magic and was more than a healer. You're like, oh, I can, I can, I don't even remember the name of the character, right? But um, in ten, but the character that's like kind of a preset healer or one of the central characters, you flip them around and put them on dark magic, right? And they essentially turn into a black mage, and they're one of the best that you can get, right? Oh yeah, because of the magic stat, right? Because uh, they've got a high Yuna. magic stat. Yeah, it's Yuna. So like, if you you play in that game, right? If you use her as a magic damage class, like she fucking excels. Mm-hmm. And like discovering that on my own and then finding out, you know, after beating this and years and years and years later when I'm reading through shit on the internet, because I was looking at getting the remake and playing it. I was like, oh yeah, I did that. That just made sense. And I guess a lot of people did that. But I like that. I figured that out on my own kind of thing, right? Um, so, like, tactics games and things like that that make me, or survival games that make me kind of think through a situation to complete a challenge um, mentally stimulates me. Yeah. Well, that's uh, kind of why I, I, I picked up on, on ARC, but I only like ARC in a, uh, in a controlled environment or on, a, like, a solo server or a small group server. I don't like the, you know, the PvP aspect of ARC, but... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you there. That there needs when they finish the next one that's coming out, they need to have a setting or a play style for that that favors very small groups because not everybody has 20 people that they're going to join to play this game. Right, right. and not everybody's going to be sitting there fucking uh, around a sleeping dinosaur for 20 fucking hours. Nobody's know? nobody no. Then I say nobody. There are a lot of people that know life that game. Most people are not those people. And most people, I say most people, adults that have, that are gainfully employed, typically <laughs> like to play more than one game for a whole year. Um, right. Right. I, I will have no relationships, no podcast or anything if I play that like an MMO. And 
it, the, the timer shit is just too extreme. Even with our modified settings, some of that stuff would get on my nerves. Um, I mean, and that w- at most, that was like five minutes of sitting there, and that drove you crazy. Correct, because like I play other games that are kind of fill a similar niche, like Seven Days to Die, right? And you can completely solo play that game. It's hard, but it's it's built in a way that it ramps up the difficulty based on how many people are playing and your essential level of gear um, is how hard it is, right? So if two people at a certain level of gear, well, this is how hard it's going to be, and these are the modifiers that we're going to attach to the game now. Right. Um, but if you're a single person, like dicking around it'll still be hard but like manageable um i don't know i i really like that game as evidence as it being the highest played hours in my steam library um but that's that's the it's not the zombies i mean i love zombies but that's not really the the draw the draw for me is it's got some pretty great survival mechanics and some great building mechanics um even though it kind of looks like ass um it's a good game it does kind of look like ass, and the early versions of that game had so many different items that it just it just triggered me to fall back into like I must sort mode. <laughs> Speaking of games, though, yeah. like we've been playing both jointly now, a lot of uh, Against the Storm, and I'd like to hear what your take is on that. Oh yeah, Against the Storm, that fucking game. I didn't think it was gonna. I didn't think it was going to actually uh, click at oh, first. It clicks. Um, but after you figure out the uh, the loop for it, it actually kind of clicks. Now, I wish there was a little bit. I I, I don't know. Maybe some uh, something about this seems slower than I'd like. And I guess I could just move uh, imp- increase the speed because you can like fast forward i play it but three times speed for probably the first 10 or 20 minutes right uh so i think that it that starts off real slow but that's beside the point let me let me go back so this this game is just like you uh you described it's kind of like a city builder but it's also kind of uh you know you you just set people to do a task a specific kind of task and you just let them do it but you are actively kind of uh exploring the map and dealing with new things as it comes and each time that you load into a new map because the uh a game and uh in this Uh, A session in this game is basically building up one little town and then you move on to the next town and build that up uh, and you kind of create your own little network of towns before you have to wipe it all and start over again. Um, So each one of those sessions is different. Each It has a different modifier. Uh, It it could be in a completely different biome. You get completely different... uh, you know, access to completely different um, building blueprints and stuff like that. So there's sometimes where there is a load of berries, for instance, on the fucking map, and you just can't access them because your luck sucks and you don't get the uh, the herbalists, uh, the herbalist camp or whatever the fuck it is that can actually harvest those berries. So yeah. you're staring at these fucking like food resources, but you just can't access them. 
Well, and the premise of the game is, or I guess the way the game mechanically works is that you have the Queen's Wrath or the Queen's Impatience, which is like modified by all the shitty things that happen in the game, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have your resolve, which once you get your resolve to the very end of the bar, then you win the map. And that can be influenced by the the choices you make on the map. It can be influenced by how happy your people are. Um, it can be influenced by some of the different modifiers you introduce into the game by the way you play it mm -hmm. or the events you that you resolved. And it it really makes you think about your choices as you go. And the thing I like about that game a lot, too, is just like we were talking about, and I'm leading into this, like it... Mm -hmm. Here's some tools. Here's a map. You go. Go. And you got to think on the fly. Like there's times where I'd never get past simple food because I just cannot get the role for the right type of blueprint to right. get to get the uh to get the right things to combine things, right? Like I could have a cookhouse and not have flour and be wanting to make biscuits all day. And I have all the shit for biscuits except for fucking flour. So then I start trading for it and making a resource that I don't need like spark do bars or something like that. And I start selling that shit and then buying flour then to make my biscuits or whatever. Right. Like there's a lot of ways to adapt to the situation. And I enjoy that about that game because it, every run run has is unique. You can't unlock all the blueprints every run. It's built in right. such a way that there's so many different blueprints that you kind of have to get a good feel for the map and then kind of commit to a type of play style. That's not going to be perfect or optimal to beat the map um yep. and it's always you're always putting out little fires or you you realize that you need a thing because uh so the other thing that that really kind of makes the uh the runs each time you do them dynamic is that the order system the orders are trickle fed to you as the uh, as the game goes on so you'll get three really basic orders at the very beginning of the of the map. And, and an order increases your resolve, so the order might be collect 25 wood. Right. Or and it's, build and a stonecutter so, camp and a lumber camp, and those are things that you're going to build right off the bat anyway. Right. So there's, let's see, there's like 12 different orders that you can get, I think. It's, it's, a, it's about that. That sounds right. Uh, I'm thinking it in my head. Yeah. So you get three right off the bat, and then you uh, and then it unlocks like two or three more as the as the run goes on. But it's going to ask for specific things, like it'll ask for complex resources, which you have to have the right uh, you have to have the right building blueprint unlocked to be able to make those resources. And of course, you know uh, you you know you need to be able to. Um, you know, have the base resources to make the, you know, the, that other resource and the, the, uh, recipe system allows for a lot of wiggle room in that because sometimes, you know, like, you know, for instance, I think the, uh, for wine, you can use berries for wine or you can use reeds for wine. I think it is. Uh, and, uh, it, if you have a if you're on a biome that doesn't have berries but has reeds, you can get you know you can use that resource instead. Yeah, and, uh, and, and different buildings. So, like I'm talking about flour is a core resource for a lot of re recipes. Right. That flour can be made by like three or four different things, and then there are like three or four different buildings can make flour, but not all of them are optimal. So some 
like so it's a one star flower building basically then it's going to use like three times the resources if it's a three star building then it's going to use minimal resources to make that that complex resource so yeah, you always go faster right and so you end up like finding combinations you're like okay so i have a flower producing facility so like maybe it's best now that i've got this roll of blueprints to find something to create complex food and the reason I want to do that is I want to increase the resolve of my villagers, which also slowly increases my overall resolve. Um, so, but it won't increase at all if everybody's unhappy. And then you'll be forced to like Bruce force your way through the game, which means resolving in-game events um, in order to do that. And then that also means usually giving up resources to do so. Um, so right. it's, there's always kind of like a give and take with everything you do. And there's always an adapt adaptation loop that you got to work on in order to get where you need to go with that game. It's just really well crafted and really well th thought out. And it's an early access game, but it doesn't feel early access. I know they're going to add additional modifiers and things to the game, but it feels like, it feels like a 1.0 release of a game that's essentially uh, a life kind of like a life service game and that they're adding additional things to it but like it's feature complete i don't okay i don't know what the final end game of that is but i feel like that's quite a ways off where i'm at right now right there's i know there's some way of doing it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh there's there isn't a whole lot of story to it <laughs> that's that's for sure it just it just gives you a uh, a situation you know you have an impatient queen in a centralized city and it's, uh it's a video game as video game they're like this we want to we wanted to create this structure so they did the right thing when creating a game right they said yeah. this is the gameplay that we want this is a central loop this is how we want to make it work all right now we've got to write some kind of like story or a reason behind your motivations as you do this right. so they wrote that around that and it's it's mildly interesting it's not poorly written or anything like that and maybe they this add is, more to that later but it's just it's good because the core game loop is different from any other city builder game you've ever played and that it's almost like an RTS city builder, but not really. It's, it's a city builder with a whole bunch of like quests. That's, that's a, or, you know, like kind of like fetch quests, but not really. It just, the quests alter the way that you got to create that map. It's um, a roguelike city builder. And that, I think that's with, I don't think, I can't think of a, another game that's like it really yeah it's city builder of the year for me city builder of the last five years i can't think of a better city builder right now right it's fucking great <laughs> yeah i know i've sunk a lot of time into it and it's just it's just it is great to sit back and relax too because you can just uh you can just kind of make the decisions and then let the game play and then you see how things work yeah you know it's i've got like almost 40 hours in that game i've only had it a week uh, I don't think I've got nearly as it's, much. It's up until some of the major releases that were coming out. I was literally playing this like five or six hours after work every day. Okay. Well, I got 12 hours into the game and that's that. that's about, that's doing all, that's doing all right. Considering I'm right. still trying to work out my work life balance. So <laughs> yeah, you haven't kind of got back into that loop yet, but yeah, it's a, yep. uh, you need a city builder in your life and you need something pretty different this is it's good and i think against the storm yeah, yep. i think it has a demo too uh store page you verify that do, 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 do. 
I don't see a demo, but I mean, oh, for the price it's on right now, it's sixteen ninety nine right now. Oh, it's super worth sixteen bucks. It's so much it's more, twenty more, bucks normally. So it's worth it's a thirty dollar game they're selling for sixteen bucks. Yeah, so it's it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah, it's that's a fucking steal. I can't it, believe it's it. It does cheap. have a tiny bit of a learning curve. You just have to like. You know, once you once you get into it and complete a map or two, it'll start to click. But you have to give it that much time to be able to do it. Well, it's taken me this long to jump into the third tier difficulty, but there's just so much better rewards with the higher level of difficulty. And the the nice thing is it's not just harder. So there's benefits to it. So like you start off on settler difficulty, which makes your guys less hungry, which means you don't you can kind of like just kind of brute force your way through the game on the easiest difficulty. And then you get to Pioneer, and Pioneer adds additional modifiers to make the game shitty, <laughs> basically, make it harder. <laughs> um, but then it rewards you with, like, almost double the permanent unlock resources. Um, and it also has, like, two more tiers of resolve you got to get, but that also means that that's that many more blueprints you get to work with. And on Viceroy, you actually have to pay attention, because I, I'm playing a Viceroy level game right now, and I'm already at like tier four of the storm. So I have to, all my villagers have to have clothes and they have to have housing. Otherwise, like five villagers die every time the storm hits. Um, oh, but, on, but on this level, like I'm using it to my advantage. So I slowed down my clothing production because I didn't have enough food. And I had the cannibalism perk unlocked. So anytime somebody dies or leaves, I get like 30 meat. So um, <laughs> I was running. I just couldn't find food. So that's what I did. I'm just using the resource of my people for food. Um, and that's why this it's, game's cool. Um, it's just random shit like that. Like that was the way that I solved that problem. I, I should have unlocked the ranch because I've got reeds all over the place and I could have produced the fiber to produce all the fucking meat skipped over it. I don't think that reroll rolls ever coming back. And so I'm just killing off people for food. Um, and I guess they're eating. <laughs> They're just eating a lot of jerky. That's a lot of jerky. Soylent green. <laughs> um, but yeah, against the storm, super worth it. I didn't even realize it was that cheap. I I just had it on my wish list. I've been looking at it, and I just itching for something like that. And I just pulled the trigger on it, and man, I just haven't looked back. It's yeah, it's gonna live rent free in my Steam library for quite a while. Yeah, it's it's one that I can definitely go back to, you know, back and play. I've been looking at other games just just to see if there's anything that I want to play right now. And I know that there's one that's, you know, that's just recently came out that I am most definitely 100% will eventually play. What's that? But my internet's so shit right now, I can't download it. What game? That would be God of War, sir. Oh, I've got, I can talk about that for a minute. Before I do, Jason... Do you have any games that you want to talk about? Because we just dove into this. To be honest, I wish I could say there was, but um, I only found uh, time this week to do a couple runs in Vampire Survivors, and that was really about it. That's fine. Um, I I cannot I can honestly say I've uh, uh, really been enjoying it, just because a lot of a lot of the weird um uh hitching etc um 
from the amount of sprites on the screen has greatly been reduced since they went full release. Yeah, um, it's not a different. It's got to get. It's got to get super crazy on screen before it really starts hitching on my system. So, and that's usually in levels like above ninety, um, where some of the hordes get super big. Um, and depending on the map, um, like there's that, there's one map that's basically like a Castlevania style castle that the enemies just spawn on, like pop spawn right there on your character. So, yeah, uh, I know which one you're talking about. And then you've got the freaking skeletons that are summoning the the storm and all that other shit. So like it's just got like all the effects going on all times. So there's so much, so many small animations going on. Yep. It it even makes my PC like drop sub sixty with a thirty eighty. Like there's just so much going on. I think it just probably well, that's CPU because at that point you're starting to overrun um, the. Uh, uh the cpu's ability to um to know, throw just, out the frames that the video card's generating there's so much shit going on on screen though that's just that's just the biggest thing about it it's um good, it's a great game though yep it's Rest- on uh it's it's on xbox now yeah <laughs> so it's not just the xbox game pass you could play it on uh, on the xbox now so that's not just PC Game Pass anymore. And it's like, uh, so if you don't have Game Pass, it's like, what, five or six bucks? Right. It's real cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's real cheap. It's worth it because, I mean, there's, I don't know how many hours I've got into it. I have more hours played in that than a lot of my games. I think I'm at like almost 60 hours of played time in Vampire Survivors this year. That's a good go to game. Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, jumping on Discord, running a run, talking to somebody about something either very benign or very serious, and I can do it with my eyes closed almost. Um, yep. Even though it's kind of hard. Um, do you played anything else besides Against the Storm, Rusty? Or has that been your primary? Um, game? that has kind of been my primary, uh, my go to. I don't think. I've got anything left here. Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of, uh, well, I did play a little bit of a of a game, uh, but I haven't really gotten too far into it. It's a game called Not for Broadcast. Oh yeah. Um. So this game, it's uh, it's an FMV game. So that's uh, that already, you know, in. In today's uh, game types, it's not a very popular game type. FMVs are no, that's, that's oddly enough something. Those from are way uh, back in the day, Sega like CD style, like Sewer Shark and shit. You know, yeah, that 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 kind of shit. Now, you know, games that are uh, that have you know full movie, you know, full full motion video, uh, and. Uh, and allows you to kind of have a different gameplay loop to it. Those are interesting. So the idea behind not for broadcast is is essentially you are the cleaner, you know, the janitor 
you end up going into the uh, the broadcast control room and the phone rings. You pick it up and it's the guy that you know that normally does that job that says, "I can't make it in. You've got you know you've got to do this. The you know the you know the broadcast is going to go on right now." I will walk you through it over the phone, but I need you to press the buttons, and that is the tutorial. So you sit down in front of the um, uh, the uh, a bunch of television screens that has a bunch of different feeds going on uh, for like the nightly news broadcast, and you're supposed to at first just switch between the different you know the different fucking feeds for the. Uh, uh, for like an interview, so they've got if it's two people, they've got the wide out video of uh, feed of both people sitting there on a chair, and then there's the close up of one person and the close up of another person, uh, and uh, the game rates you based on how good your editing skill is for you know following who is talking in a conversation, so. If person A starts talking, you have to go hit, you know, A's feed so that you're, you know, that you've got the, you know, the talker, the speaker on screen. And then if both of them are talking, you got to go out to the wide out view. And then if, you know, the if person B is talking, you go to uh, person B and you kind of do that on the fly. And of course, you don't know exactly what is going to be said or what's you know what's being said or who's going to be saying anything you have to kind of like read the conversation on the fly on top of all of that the uh broadcast equipment is kind of faulty and the uh uh the frequencies will get out of sync so you'll hear a little alarm go off and you have to watch the frequency and adjust the frequency on the you know, on the broadcast station to make sure that the broadcast doesn't like, you know, flake out while you're editing shit together. That's really weird. Um, it's a lot of busy work to get things done, but you don't realize what's going on on screen because you're so focused on just doing the job that sometimes you don't even hear what is being played so what happens here is is after you're done with a broadcast it will save that broadcast for you so that you can watch the broadcast back just like if you were watching tv and and you can see how well you did as far as editing is concerned but they'll also have a a view of all of the feeds that you can swap between after each broadcast so that you can kind of catch all of the stuff that you cut out that didn't get broadcast. So for instance, when, a you know, if you've got a, uh, uh, you've got the anchor on screen and then it goes to commercial break, when it you know comes into commercial break, the you know the makeup artist comes in and starts powdering the guy's nose or whatever, and he's you know saying how much of an idiot so such and such is, and uh, and like yelling at the freaking intern you know because the coffee's fucking you know tastes like shit, or uh, 
there's a bunch of other shit going on, but there's a like a meta story that's going on behind all of this. And if you catch everything uh, that's going on, it kind of has like this commentary about like the media going on <laughs> behind the scenes. So it's it's an interesting game. Like nothing uh, again. It's it reminds me of like the old FMV games, but it allows you to kind of like have a unique experience with it. It's very British too. So if you like British comedy, like the dry, you know, clipped British comedy, this is, you know, this would, this is right. It would be right up your alley. Um, <laughs> it's, it doesn't sound like anything I would play, but it does sound interesting regardless because it is a little bit different than, well, like you said, we haven't been doing FMV games for quite a while. Right. It's it's an interesting game if you like to have some kind of uh it's it's a unique thing. If you can find some videos of it, I think there's on on the uh on the store page there is a video of it of kind of like how it plays. Um uh it is unique. Uh it is it's kind of like a dark comedy with a uh with, you know, dark British comedy uh that has some extra depth to it not just the gameplay so yeah it's it's what fred uh <laughs> uh it's what freddy should have been <laughs> much better than that actually um but yeah it's i i spent enough time on that fucking game it's it's uh it's a game that i'm gonna be uh, playing off and on but man you have to you have got to focus on that game is if you fuck up, your audience score goes to shit <laughs> immediately. So, yeah. Um, and that game is much bigger than I thought it was going to be. It took me an entire day and a half to uh, download that. I really need my internet. Speaking of internet, you downloaded something from the internet. I did. So, I didn't actually download much of it off the internet. I got the disc. You got the disc? Yeah. So, I... I'm a lazy ass, and I bought this TV, and then, you know, they told me I'd get a bunch of Best Buy bucks if I got the card, so I got the card. I had oh $200 in Best Buy bucks, so um, I bought God of War, and I ordered it. So I, I realize at this point I'm not going to go stand in line at a store to get a game to go home and play it for 20 minutes and then pass out because i got to be at work so early. So I ordered God of War from Best Buy. And got it the day on Thursday. So I know it came out Wednesday. I got it on Thursday, which is not bad. Um, I'd still be downloading it. It's probably about 12, eh, it might be 20 gigs worth of download after I put in the disc. I don't know. I didn't look at the downloading part of it. I just put it in. And I got it was it on, done before you were ready to play it anyway. So Yeah, I got it at lunch on Thursday um, <laughs> while I was eating. And then I installed it. And then went back and worked. And then when I got off work, I played it. Um, but <sighs> graphically, I was comparing it to Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon still looks a little bit better, but God of War runs a fuckload smoother. Um, so there is a they're doing some kind of variable refresh rate sync kind of thing. Right. And my TV will let me kind of live view where my hertz is with something while i'm playing it so i was kind of playing with it to see where it's sitting it's sitting about 
between 110 and 120 FPS on the PlayStation 5, which is pretty impressive. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I switched it to the, so there's like a, there's prefer resolution, prefer performance, right? So I was like, all right, prefer resolution. And there's like essentially a not DLSS, whatever the AMD equivalent is, uh, adaptive sync. So there's an adaptive sync option for prefer performance or prefer quality after you after you select that. So now we're getting into the realm of like how PC games work. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. So I put on prefer quality and it would drop to about 40-ish FPS, the 60 FPS um, on that setting. And I could tell a little bit of difference in the lighting. And that was about it. And mm -hmm. then I turned that off, and then it jumped up to almost 120 FPS consistently. That's that's like this is how I'm going to play God of War. Um, why would I do this? Why would I do this anyway differently? Like this is an action-packed game, right? Right. Um, I haven't gotten crazy far in the game. I think I've got about six or seven hours in it because last night I was playing Tactics Ogre um, with, with John from picking up the pixels and our our uh, D, our dungeon master Dave. Uh, we were all playing that together, uh, which I'll talk about after this. So I want to say I've gotten about five hours in so far, kind of opened up the story. Um, I can't remember enough of the last game to tell you exactly what's different about it, but I can tell you it's pretty fucking good. Um, it starts okay. off right off the bat. It's got some epicness just starting out to get you your motivations to why Kratos is doing Kratos things. Um I remember the comment about the kid about how his voice changed mid-production. And so right off the bat, you are just getting a teenage kid's voice changing, essentially, um, which is kind of funny. But like he sounds like a teenager because it's a teenager playing the kid. Um, so like on the graphical fidelity and all that jazz, like, yeah, it's it looks really good, right? It's going to be one of the top five best looking games out there right now. Um, but on like the actual gameplay loop, um, it's kind of got the same systems they did before. Like you had the hack silver, right? Which you used to go to the Smith to upgrade different weapons and upgrade different portions of your weapon. Right. And you loot different components for your weapons, just like you did in the last game. Right. I've got an ax, the ax from the last game, plus the chaos blades right now. That's all I got. Um, and so far on like the, I'm playing it on like medium difficulty or whatever. Right. It's challenging enough The until I figured out trying to remember, oh, yeah, like a lot of like God of War is like kind of managing everything around you to keep it off you so that you have the health to deal with big hits. Like I've kind of gotten used to the juggle mechanic because you use the heavy hit to get them up in the air and you can keep them in the air for quite a while mm -hmm. um, before they drop. Um, so like the game controls and everything else is pretty cool and then the game story seems pretty neat so far i'm not going to go into it i'm sure i know there's some people that were deliberately spoiling the game i have before picking it up i saw a single trailer and god of war is a pretty high quality game so i was like yeah i'm gonna pick that up for playstation um kind of played almost all of them i think at this point except for the random psp ones right um so, yeah, like, uh, it's a God of War ass God of War game. I know some people are giving it perfect scores. I don't know if it's a perfect score game yet, but I'm definitely not seeing anything wrong with it. But I also haven't played enough of it to have a solid opinion on it, other than I like what I've seen so far. And it's at a very high quality, it's a very AAA game. Um, and seems neat. And I'm 
I'm I want to play it, right? Like that's that's a big factor. Is it fun? Yes, it's very fun. Is it filled to the brim with bullshit like some of the Assassin's Creed games? It doesn't seem like it so far. Um, still adhering a little bit to the model of the last game where you have a level up system for different skills or abilities with each of the different weapons. Um, and you get like additional skill up from using different skills, right? They become better. They become more useful the more you use a certain skill. Right. So, yeah. and I can't remember for sure if that was in the last game or not, because it's been a few years since I played it, but that's why I wanted to play the original before it, I, it does a story recap at the beginning. Like you literally can say what's happened so far and watch five minute movie. Essentially that kind of recaps what happened. So, you know, what's going on before you jump into the new game. Right. I remember the story from the new game. I just wanted to go through it again just because, you know, I'm looking for a good ass game, you know? Yeah. It's it's a good ass game. Right. Is it gonna beat Elden Ring for me yet this year? I don't know. But it it, it feels mm-hmm. like I don't want to be presumptuous, right? And I don't want to be a hater for any reason. I'm just reserving my judgment until I'm done, right? But so far, it feels like it was a very worth it sixty dollar purchase. Or okay. shit, I think it, yeah, it was $60, I think. I don't think it was 70 Um, But yeah, I, God of War so far, probably have more played of it by next week for sure. Um, that is if I can pry myself away from Tactics Ogre. Um, oh, yes, Tactico, Tactics Ogre. That's another one on the list. What's the subtitle? I can't remember the subtitle on this one. It's the third version of uh, this game. Mm-hmm. Re fucking re re something reborn. I think I'm actually pulling it up right. I'm not going to play it on the show, but I am pulling it up in my Steam Deck. Re- Tactics Ogre Reborn. That's correct. Yeah. So the original one, which I actually have in the closet, or I say the original, the last version was on PSP and came out in like 2010 or 2011 or something like that, right? Um, and it was a complete remake of. Tactics Ogre from way back when, which came out prior to Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, So it was probably the first game, major game, like the original uh, Ogre Battle um, for PlayStation and I think Super Nintendo, uh, Return of the Black Queen. I always get this history wrong, but essentially that was like one of the first really grand army management tactical games and it plays out quite a bit differently than final fantasy tactics and tactics ogre tactics ogre came out and it was a pretty obtuse game um i think the reason that final fantasy tactics edged it out is there's a lot of different things to manage in that game to be very good at it and it was it was pretty obtuse right so then they release it again you know more than 10 years ago and in that version of the game, they like redid the music, redid the graphics a little bit, redid a lot of the character art, added different characters in it, um, and then drastically changed the way that the battle system worked. And you had the ability to kind of rewind events so that you could make different choices so you could have a big single run of the game. Haven't discovered that feature yet in this game, but there is one feature I feel like it's different. I think this is in the last game called the chariot and essentially you can go up to 10 turns back in a single game um and redo action so like say because character death is permanent 
Um, when your character dies, you have three turns to pick them up with a blessing stone, or I think there's a, a spell that you can get later on with one of your healers to let you revive people from the dead. But if they're dead, they're they're dead, dead, um, and they're out of your party forever, right? Um, but things that it like really simplified is like there's only one, there's one. Uh, I want to call it like one source of fuel for your so it's not just mana your mana is what you use for your special abilities as well as your magic and it recharges every turn a certain amount right and then different classes have affinities for charging it faster so like a melee class might charge it way slower but you can get skills to help with that and the same with your magic casters so your magic casters typically the first one or two turns can't do anything um, because they're charging up their mana and then usually you can use the level one or level two ability on refresh every single turn but a lot of it is getting your characters in a position to take out certain things and a lot of it is prioritizing targets so i think a lot of people have probably played final fantasy tactics and it's very similar but the story for this is more game of thrones like even back then when i played it like i say back then like in high school and when i played it 12 or so years ago um it has a lot more mature themes like I have a choice at one point. Kill the whole village. <laughs> That's not a Final Fantasy kind of theme, right? Like, it's... No. Um, it never goes into anything, like, explicitly sexual or anything like that. But it's a much darker game than Final Fantasy Tactics. And I like the character art itself. So when I say the character art, like, when one of the people talk or whatever, right? Like, it has a little picture of them. The art mm -hmm. is very distinct and very much its own identity. Um, they redid the music, too. Um like they're using it's not a MIDI track like it sounds like they're using wave files or something like the quality is way the hell up there i was blasting the music that's a weird thing to say blasting ogre battle uh blasting the music <laughs> late last night i had my speakers turned up pretty loud and i was like the quality on this is like an extremely high quality mp3 like above 384 um it's symphonic but it's extremely well done it's like the original one was midi music that was done on a keyboard and now they've got like a full on, they've had a composer go back and redo a lot of the songs to a symphony. Um, so the music's extremely high quality. They also have voice acting for all the major characters and all the dialogue for the most part, aside from like little quips from your characters in battle. But even some of the quips on, on like the story battles, like have voice dialogue and the voice acting's probably at about a B to A level quality. Um, it's a very high quality tactics game. And I think one of the other things I think they did, too, is I think they made it use less resources to change classes. So every character in this. So you remember, like, you have the job system with Final Fantasy and then, like, you change jobs and tactics, right? Mm -hmm. It does kind of the same thing. But you pick up. So I defeat, a, let's say, a Beastmaster, which is a guy that can recruit different animals on the battlefield. Um, he has a chance of dropping cards that are for that class. So if he drops that class card, now I can go back and change one of my characters who has stats that kind of match that to that class. And now I'm a Beastmaster. Now I can grow that character as a Beastmaster. The way the level up works is you have, as you level up your character in that class, you can pick skills that unlock with ever so often with the levels and you just add the skills. There's no cost to it or anything like that. You just kind of, you've got a set of four skills that you can use so you put those, you know, 
load them up with whatever seems best for that character. And they're, they're either passive or active effects. And the passive have like different, um, a different chance to trigger based on your base attributes. Um, every level up just kind of levels up your basic attributes, essentially. But every character role that you get is different and unique um, and typically fits in whatever class you originally recruit them as. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. But you can multi-class characters in a way, right? Um, some characters can use magic, even though they're not necessarily magic users. And then some characters, like there's two different types of spell swords, and I've got both of them. I've got this, like a Valkyrie is one of them that I'm using right now. And the other one is a, essentially a spell sword, and I can't remember the name of it. But um, <clears throat> it's got enough of the tactical stuff to be, it's not an easy game. In fact, I was talking to you last night, Rusty, and I died like three times in this battle. At like 20 minutes an attempt. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, oh, I'm being an idiot. This guy's a necromancer. He's just raising people. The objective of this, I just finally looked at the objective, was to beat the main necromancer, right? <laughs> and all of his undead minions hit like fucking truck. So <clears throat> I needed to take like two or three characters up to fight him and then have the rest of my party manage all of the undead minions. Um, and clerics... Like in true D&D fashion, right, you can heal the undead and it actually hurts them. <laughs> um, they're also the only character class that can also exercise them. So once they drop, they'll raise in three turns if you don't exercise them. So I ended up going back in the battle with three different clerics, backed up by some knights to manage everything, backed up with three highly mobile DPS classes that could just rush the front line and rush past all of the undead to go after the necromancer. And I finally beat it. But... It's those types of things of like just kind of learning to adapt on the fly on what works helps. Um, there's no random encounters like Final Fantasy in this game. Like you have the ability to train. So you can go back to a battlefield that you're on and hit the train ability. And then you can train essentially level up characters fighting um, different characters on that same battlefield. The penalty for death in that one just means they're kicked out of the battle, which is great. Um, it also means that when you recruit like a level one character that you can level them up through a couple of training sessions to the level of your party. It Good. does it does this weird thing where I think this was evident in the first one. You have a max level for your party that can be achieved. So like right now, I'm at a max level of 12. Um, that means that none of my characters can get past level 12. It also helps it scale against the game so you don't ever feel like you're in a place where you're just completely billy badass and just mow through everything. But you can level up to where you're a couple levels higher than the rest of the content if you're struggling. So it, it gives you a little bit of an easy button. I, I call it an easy button it, to just get to a place where you're comfortable enough and understand your party <laughs> composition to be good enough to to really lay some hurt on and, and maybe not lose a lot of characters. Um. It just it's a really well balanced game. This is super, this is the best version so far that I've played of this game. And it's been so long I don't remember the story, so I'm just, you know, kind of riffing on it right now. But the story's pretty engaging. Um it's good. It's really good. Um like this was a master class tactical game back in the day. It's still a master class tactical game, and they've done a lot of things to modernize it so that it's not as obtuse as it used to be. Like it's this, I mean, I, this could be this. This will definitely be the the best tactical game I've played since fucking like XCOM at this point. Right. Um, oh, it, it, it was the first. It was the game that got me into tactics, and now they've taken a lot of the bullshit that was in an older game and modernized it enough to make it work with some modern sensibilities. And it's 
it's just it's super fucking good. Yeah. I mean And it's perfect for my Steam Deck with Cloud Save. Like play it on the big screen, play it on the Steam Deck, go back and forth. I've already put like <laughs> I think eight hours into it. And I was playing it last night while I was talking to John and Dave. And I've been playing it all morning. Um like that's the only thing that's going to steal me from God of War right now because it's a really good game. Yes. I It's been on my list. It's definitely been one of those things. I was looking up the, uh, the release dates for, uh, you know, for this, uh, tactics. The original tactics ogre was, uh, 1995. Yeah. Um, and then I think final fantasy tactics kind of, came out in like 97, 97, a couple, uh, a couple years later. You see, the funny thing is, is I, my very first tactics game wasn't even, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a game called Vandal Hearts. I remember Vandal, I played Vandal Hearts too. Um, and I don't know, it was one of those, uh, the, uh, remember the, you know, the, uh, the death animations for Vandal Hearts was like this big blood fountain. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was over the top, you know, fucking blood fountain. But I remember playing the fuck out of Bl- uh, Vandal Hearts like that. That was that was my jam. Uh, and then uh, a year after that came out, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, you know, came out and I never looked back. Now, I've never actually completed Final Fantasy Tactics every single time I uh, I got uh Every time I play that game, I forget about the fail state situation. Um, and I get into a situation where it's just impossible for me to, you know, to beat it. Um, you can, you can get to a, a, a midpoint in the game. Uh, and anybody that's played Final Fantasy Tactics will, uh, will remember that the, you know, the game, uh, goes, into fucking overdrive there's a massive difficulty spike right near the middle of the game and uh you can get yourself into a fail state situation where you just cannot beat that game and every single time i've you know went back to it i've forgotten about it not ground you know not did the grinding that i needed to do um to uh uh, to to improve my party enough to be able to survive the uh the long (laughs) trek back to the you know the capital well, and that's the thing about Tactics Ogres. I think originally it had random encounters and you had to kind of like go back and forth to get the random encounter. And now mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to go to this battlefield and I'm going to train one or two times to kind of get my new recruits that I just got to a reasonable level so they can they can perform. And so, like, it's a little bit grindy, but not that much. Like, I'm doing... My grind versus like actual game ratio is pretty even, right? Like I play a map and then I might hit the map twice after that or hit another map because maybe I like a different map um, to level up my characters. And then I'm just consistently staying pretty close to where I need to be for the level of the game. And I think a, an easy tip I could say for this is just look at your guests in your party and just make sure you're a level or two above them and then you're probably fine to do whatever content's out there. You, you can also preview the battle. That's a crazy thing as well. Now, you can't do that before you're committed once you get to that point. But like every single battle, you can hit preview. It'll show you the map that it's on, what kind of characters you'll be fighting, right? 
Maybe I need mm. something that's good versus dragons, etc. Um, but you have that option, so you can kind of set yourself up for an optimal party build for that that fight you're about to do. Which, again, that's it's just modern sensibilities on an older game, and it's it's a really good game. It's on the list of you know. Once I figure out how to you know to work out work life balance, get internet. And, uh, and and try to figure out what the fuck's going on with my computer because it's deciding that it wants to take a shit on me today. Um, yeah, it's it's there's a lot of shit that I want to play right now. Uh, and Tactics Ogre is definitely one that I wanted to give a try. Yeah, I'm hesitant to like, like I've I've played this before, right? So like I know what to expect, but I still want to play it even though there's going to be some other things that come out. And I know, like, it's a 100-hour game. Yeah, but it's it's 100 hours of, you know, so. blissfully done, you know, redone shit. Yeah, it's it's different. It's it's a reimagining of the original game, and it's... like 95, even, dude. You're looking at almost a 30-year-old game. <laughs> looking at it uh, needed- my entire gaming life. Yeah, this, this is like if they redid Fallout One. Like this is one of my top five games of all time. Right. So, I mean, so I'm, I'm okay pretty, with the, I'm pretty you know, with biased. everything old being new again. If you can't get the old thing anymore. <laughs> oh, that game is like probably a fucking thousand dollars on eBay. Right. And then the version that came out on Super Nintendo, I think they only made like fifty thousand copies. Damn. So that's even more rare. Yeah, it's super fucking rare. Like, it makes sense. Even, well, the PSP version, I think I can sell, it was a little less rare. Um, I think right now I can probably sell it for about 100 bucks for a PSP game on eBay. Mm. But I've just held on to it for so long. Um, it's in fucking pristine condition, too. Let's see. Anywho. Um, Tactics Ogre on eBay? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Complete in box. That's uh, Tactics Ogre is $245 in a very good condition. For PSP? No, this is for uh, PlayStation. Oh, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty rare. If you look up March of the Black Queen, I bet it goes for 1000 bucks. Let's see. I'm I'm curious right now. <laughs> Let's see. Did it March of the Black Queen? Um oh, the limited edition March of the Black Queen? Yeah. Uh it's PlayStation. About 200, $230. Oh. What about Super Nintendo? Uh let's see. I'll do that. I'll check that and then we'll go to break. Super Nintendo. I guess I was Not- wrong. Do, do, do. All right, Super Nintendo. That's now it's starting to get up there. I see one for five forty-five. Okay, well, I was off, but it's still really fucking expensive. <laughs> right? It's, I mean, all of those numbers are way more than we spent <laughs> as kids. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Uh, I mowed like five lawns to get that. Right. All right. I think it's time for a break. All right, folks. We'll be back. 
And uh, talking lots of things and stuff. Mm. Um, but speaking of things Korean, and stuff, it's Korean news barbecue. Time. Yeah, Korean barbecue. That just sounds good. I get hungry before I even get to dinner. Right. Um, Jason, you had some news on the horizon. I think you had several pieces. What do you got? Ooh, so we'll we'll start out with um, the most downer news um unfortunately this week the video game and animation world lo- lost a great man uh kevin conroy the actor most famously known for playing batman and batman the animated series and for voicing him in the arkham series uh passed away from cancer this week how how old was he 66. Damn. He must have just looked that old because he was going through cancer. I didn't realize he was going through cancer. That's awful. A, yeah. a lot of people didn't. Um, he he kept it uh, pretty private the last couple of years. Um, and you wouldn't have been able to tell from, uh, from his schedule. I mean, as soon as, uh, as soon he kept doing virtual cons all through COVID as soon as cons opened back up um, yep. he was there. Um, he loved well, uh, voice actors don't make an extraordinary amount of money fans in general. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of people's Batman, like growing up a lot of people's Batman. If you heard Batman's voice on media, that wasn't like that was wasn't he, a fucking live action movie. It was, was it was his voice. Was he the animated series from the nineties? Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And all of um basically all of the WB's animated series after that, except for um the Batman, which um was voiced by one of the guys who was on the Drew Carey show back in the day. Um, oh yeah, pretty much, pretty much every every video game, um, from the nineties on, aside from like the Telltale Batman, which of course used a younger voice actor for a younger Bruce Wayne, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty much been everyone's Batman and. He's been Batman for as long as Mark Hamill's been fucking Joker. That's a long time. I mean, he was the chief reason why Hamill agreed to agreed to do Joker. Right. Um, He always said working with Kevin Conroy was about as easy as breathing and just made it a super easy process. Yeah, that's a long ass time. So just to give you, you know, that that should give you some context. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I wonder who's going to fill his shoes. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> the revolving doors of Batmans. <laughs> I don't know. Live action Batmans. That's the thing. He, well, his those voice people has are always been expensive. kind of... 
the backbone of Batman. So it's it's hard At least to say for our lifetime. It has been, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be hard to say. We'll see what happens, but I mean, yeah. I mean, the show must go on, right? But they're just going to they're going to have a hard time trying to find somebody with that iconic of a voice. But think about, man, he was Batman since 1992. Mm. It's just yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. crazy. I mean, he voiced a lot of main title characters in a bunch of other games and media. Um, but ever, you ask anyone, and the thing they know him for is Batman. I mean, yep. that's easily his most iconic thing he ever did. Yep. Um. So it is. It is sad seeing pass at the. Um. We just we lost one of the greats. Yep, we lost Gallagher on the same day too. Yeah, fucking sledgematic yeah. man. <laughs> Gonna go beat up a pineapple or beat up a fucking watermelon in his honor too. <laughs> it's just a bad day. That was a really bad day. In <sighs> uh, some lighter news this week, um, as we all know. Uh, few days ago was in seven day you definitely uh earlier this week yep and to uh to celebrate the occasion uh the mass effect the mass effect team dropped a uh fairly interesting uh teaser on their twitter account um that was basically a piece of concept art uh, with what sounded just like static video, but their tweet said, we found this interesting footage. You may want to look a bit more closely. Um, and some ingenious fans uh, spent the next few hours trying to uh, uh, decode uh, so something embedded in the download of the image. Um, and, uh, upon that decode, uh, or the puzzle being solved, uh, they released that same thing again, uh, but with a quote cleaned up, AKA, um, <laughs> different audio file, um, mm -hmm. that basically starts with static. Then you hear some geth noises. Um, and then you hear Liara speaking. Oh, they cleaned um, it up that much? Huh? They were able to clean up that much of it? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so you, uh, I won't get into exactly what was said because it literally is just a teaser and you can go check out the Mass Effect Twitter account to, to hear it. Um, but in grand, uh, uh, Grand Bioware Mass Effect fashion, uh, they definitely gave everybody the tease they were looking for. Um, no, still no real, you know, you're not seeing any gameplay yet or any real detail on the game. Just, uh, uh just a little bit more of a teaser and, uh, what appears to be a human version of a Mass Effect relay being built. 
Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah. yeah. The I'm I'm looking at the image file right now. There's yeah, there so I mean if this is to be believed, that means that what uh let's see interior uh interior use only vacuum dock relay con- vacuum dock relay construction record i'm looking at the thing right now just just to see here i'm pretty sure there's some details left still in this image that can be pined over like there's a set, uh there's a set of numbers along the side of it um it says mr7 on the uh Mass re- uh, mass relay seven, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah. It's it's like the new Mass Effect game. Is it going to continue from Andromeda, or what are they going to do? I don't know. I think they're going to just completely uh, skip uh, and forget that Andromeda existed. I think this is going to. I think we're going to see uh, a pretty massive time jump um, in the Mass Effect Five. So they can skip uh, Andromeda. Wouldn't so wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if it was a hundred years or better. I mean, Liara could easily still be alive at that point, and you know it would take um a massive amount of time for uh for humanity and the and the Geth or anyone else to to um recover recover enough to be able to to build new mass effect relays um they certainly learned enough about them to uh to figure out how they work and to possibly construct one but you know that would take a really long time after what the galaxy went through in in three so i wouldn't be surprised at a fairly big time jump oh yeah i'm I just need Bioware to, well, I need them to do a very good job on this one. Please, no more Andromeda. Please don't let anybody rush you. Fucking just, you know, just do what you set out to do. And please don't don't fall into the trap and bring Shepard back. Just give us a new antagonist who's as good as Shepard, but not as... Middle of the road and muddy as your twin antagonists for Andromeda. I will definitely say that was the the main weak point of that game. I don't think it was just the main weak point. I mean, there was, was a lot of shit that was left on the fucking cutting room floor for Andromeda. Yeah, because the DLCs were supposed to figure out what happened to all the people on the Ark ships, and we never got mm-hmm. those. Right. No, because they canceled them because it got crapped on so hard because of the well, bugs. They were supposed to have a lot more, uh, a lot more explorable uh, planets, and we ended up with just a handful. So, this is a weird game yeah. that the internet just decided they hated <laughs> because it's not necessarily a bad game aside from some bad facial animations. Um, not in the way that it was portrayed, you know. Like it got. Oh, no, I've played through it four fucking times. It's a well, good game. Part of that is because you wanted more Mass Effect, though. Well, that's true, but it's still it's not as bad of a game as the internet made it out to be. It's just not as good as one, two, or three, and there's no Shepard. No, what yeah. what what the problem 
for me was is just the lost potential. Like there was so much that game could have been, but just fell flat because, you know, EA wanted to get it out the door, basically. So, yep. They had a release date. They stuck to the damn release date <laughs> and they got fucked. And I mean, the facial animations were just, you know, meme worthy. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's on them for having shitty, for not realizing that. But also, like, the internet decided to just harp on that, right? And once oh. the internet gets, it's like a dog with a bone. Once they get locked in on something like that, then it's just no letting it go. Like, either you lean into it or you fix it, you know? Right. And they didn't well, either of those things. They, I, uh, maybe they learned their lesson on their uh, on their engine choice, too. So... I think that a lot of a lot of the woes that was happening with Andromeda was because of Frostbite, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, new engines are always tricky. Yeah. Um, Especially that engines said, that are not meant for that. <laughs> right. Um, that said, going from one teaser to another, um, Remedy announced yesterday that... Uh, They've reached an agreement with 505 Games to uh, once again co-develop and co-publish uh, Control 2. Ooh. I just this right. is from the horse's mouth. This is, this is, this is good shit. Yeah, this stuff. is straight from Remedy. Um, they, uh, in yesterday's announcement, they said the game is still in its concept stage, so it'll be quite a while before we get to uh, get to see the game in action. Well, it's because they're working um, on Alan Wake right now. Yeah, they're they're in the they're in the final development of Alan Wake too, um, and they're uh, but they also confirmed that their initial budget uh, is basically fifty million euros. Um, and that uh, uh, Remedy's still the the main guy. Five hundred five's just working with him on it. But I mean, five hundred five co-developed it with Remedy on the first game. So first I would such a good game. I would expect more of the same, just a continuation of the story, uh, which I'm all right with. That game's a leaning. good game. They were leaning very heavily into like SCP territory with oh, so uh, good with the control. It was just the uh, it was just the right amount of like you know twisted. Like, yeah, and it was enough to keep you off kilter a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little bit more tie-in to control from Alan Wake too. Well, um, there's a whole and then vice versa. Yeah, there's a whole DLC where they tied it into Alan Wake. Right. Yeah. Well, before the DLC even happened in the base game, if you looked hard enough, you could find references to Alan Wake in there. You know, there was uh, there were they were all all over the place actually. Oh uh, yeah, there were documents all over the game that uh, uh was laid out that laid out um like the agency's part and following up on certain instances. Well, yeah, the agency hearing Alan Wake. They had to go yeah. uh, go to the town. I forget what the uh, what the town is from yeah, Alan like, Wake. I don't. Huh? There was like a whole yeah, and it's a whole like series of missions too. It's it's 
pretty well crafted. Right. There were was it I think it was the typewriter that they ended up using as the uh, as the object. Um I don't Was it the typewriter? I can't remember. I don't know, but like Yeah, and then there's the whole I don't know. That that came so good. That's yeah. the only thing I can just keep saying about it. It's just it's an ex I wish I'd have played that sooner. I've said this like on three different podcasts at this point. I should have played that that year that, that came out. <laughs> it was so good. It gave me the heebie jeebies and for some reason I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe my depression wasn't feeling it either. So right. like I just couldn't do it. But once I got past that and started playing that game, I was like, what was I thinking? This game is so freaking good, you know? Right. That's for me it was the uh it was the SCP light kind of um uh I don't know, uh X Files style. Yeah to it. X Files, exactly. Yeah. That that's that's what drew me in and like continue I wanted to have more. Give me more. I'll wait for two. Make it good. Make it great. Make it fucking make it mind blowing. I want a good game out of it. I would have certainly given it like it was a definitely like one of those games that everybody that's interested in the RPG slash horror light or X file style thing should be interested in. It's just it's good in general, you know. Right. It's very good. Uh, let's see. Um, All right. And then other good news, uh, Google has uh, announced that they've started uh, their refunds on games purchased via Stadia um, and that it's going to take several months for for all of the refunds to be cleared. So they're asking customers, just be patient. It's going to take us through January to uh, to get all the refunds processed. Um, the fact that they're giving you refunds in any and, at all instead of just taking the money and running. Yeah, and if you've not received your refund uh, by the time January rolls around, um, then to start, then you could contact customer support. But before January, please don't. So, if right. anybody did purchase a game through there, just just give them time. You got to think about they're doing a one hundred percent refund on every game purchased, not subscribe, not played through subscriber because subscribers aren't getting that refund, but right. games fully purchased. So it's going to take them a while. Yeah, we'll just give I'm, them some time. I'm not one to champion Google on much, but I think they're doing the right thing there. Yeah, well, Stadia was, you know, I don't know. It was doomed. Like, I I knew that it was going to end up in the graveyard. It just felt like it was going to end up in the graveyard. Uh, and I didn't want to be right. I wanted them to fix it. But, well, here we are. Uh, so at least they're giving their uh, people their money back. On the topic of giving money back, there was... Um, uh, some information sent out by uh, from Ubisoft about a game uh, called uh, Prince of Persia, the Sense of Time remake. Um, they have also refunded pre-orders and canceled all pre-orders for that game. Now, they want to make it clear 
Ubisoft wanted to make it clear they did not cancel the game. They just canceled pre-orders because they don't have a release date, which is, I mean, that's saying something considering, you know, <laughs> there's, there is a number of other games that, uh, that Ubisoft has said, you know, we're going to make this eventually. Um, was that Beyond Good and Evil 2 has finally, uh, has taken the top spot from, uh, what is, uh, what is even that at this point? Like, I feel like that's been a rumor since two years into the show. But Beyond Good and Evil 2 is, has been in development hell longer than Duke Nukem Forever has. It's taken the top spot for game, uh, the you know, game longest in development without a confirmed cancellation. That's crazy. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's that. But, uh, but yeah, Prince of Persia, uh, it's still, a thing Ubisoft is working on it. They just don't know when it's going to be. So they refunded a bunch of people's money about it. And uh, anybody that's asking Ubisoft when they're just telling them to shut up, <laughs> basically don't contact us about it. Uh, we, we will let you know when we're done. Um, so there's that. <laughs> I mean, and the bad part about beyond good and evil too, more so than, than anything Duke Nukem related is they had a freaking gameplay trailer for it in 2008. It didn't have a gameplay trailer. It was just a cinematic trailer. Yeah, it was yeah. a cinematic trailer. I thought it was gameplay. Nope, it didn't have any gameplay. Um, it was always cinematic. It was just a story cinematic trailer. It's basically the same thing that we got for uh, for Prey 2. Um we just got a cinematic trailer that gave you the kind uh, the concept of the game, um, but there was no gameplay. Um, so there's that. Uh, we'll we'll we wanted to see more about it, and I remember that from freaking you know an E3 you know ages and ages ago. Uh, so to hear that it's gone into development hell longer than uh, you know Duke Nukem Forever is just. And that didn't yeah. really turn out either. That was kind of a big old nothing burger as well. <laughs> yeah, Duke Nukem Forever did not turn out great. So, yeah. Well, and I think I really uh, wanted to like you know it, part right? of Beyond Good and Evil 2's issues been they've changed engines twice. They've had to. You have to look at it. They've all <laughs> it they've gone Unreal three at that point. They've gone through about what three generations? Two, you know, at least two generations of uh, of consoles. They've had to. Yeah. So when your development is so slow that you can't keep up with the generation you're targeting, you're going to have to change, you know, change gears, which just puts you right back in the shit again. And then you end up with spaghetti code and then you end up with fucking Duke Nukem forever. And then everybody hates you for, for doing it. So eh, it is what it is. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to even talk about the. You know about this because I don't have. I don't have a. I, I really don't care about uh, about racing games. Never have. Never will. Uh, never will be. But EA added another one to the graveyard. Uh, Project Cars is now dead. Um, they will uh, no longer be producing any more uh, or developing any more uh, Project Cars games. So. If you like Project Cars, the latest one, 
is the last one. No more cars. No more project cars. So uh there's that. Let's see. Um I want I I just I just want to give you uh, I just want to pose a question. Okay. Would you play a triple A John Wick game? Probably. What would that game look like to you? <laughs> well, can you can you probably it probably be with... it probably be super hot and so we already have that game. <laughs> right. You you're thinking yeah, so this would be it it have to be something like super hot to make you I feel mean, like John Wick. To be able to be kind of like John Wick. Yeah. You can't because you know, a normal person can't actually react as, you know, like John Wick does. Um to be able to, you know, to be as badass. Um I was thinking a, a mixture of Max Payne and Super Hot. That's not a bad idea. I mean, the Max Payne thing's already been done, but I think it's the only game that did that thing, right? Right. Max Payne kind of did the bullet time, you know, bullet time situation, right? And then Super Hot had the, uh, um, uh, the, it only moves forward when when you move forward, right? So. That's that's kind of the same thing, but also just the grittiness of of the Max Payne games that I remember from way fucking way back in the day, uh, and you know not being a uh, fucking VR game super hot. Um, I want to see this happen, but Lionsgate has just been kind of putting their feelers out right now to. Uh, uh, to see if anybody would make a John Wick triple A game. Now there was John Wick Hex, which is just you know was just a very light uh, indie style game, uh, which was good in its own right. I haven't played it, but I've, I heard it was good. Um, but the uh, you know what they really want to do is just to do a uh, have a good triple A, you know game developed for it and they believe that there's enough there who's to be they? able to make a successful game who's they uh Lionsgate Lionsgate oh. is is just kind of putting the feelers out for you know any developer that wanted to uh to pick up the John Wick games I got you who would you want the John Wick games to be developed by that's another question by the people that have done um Naughty Dog Naughty Dog? I could see Naughty Dog doing that. Because yeah. they could weave a story into it. Their action sequences are pretty fucking tense. They're really raw. Um, Their melee style stuff is not that strong, though. So we'll say that. That's okay, because I don't think... I mean, outside of, you know, killing people with a pen, uh, John Wick is... I mean, John Wick can pick up anything and use it as a weapon, so that just reminds me of, like... Uh, um. <laughs> fucking hitman uh so what we need is an action style hitman like an <laughs> an action hitman not just a uh, stealth hitman <laughs> action man action man all right so that's I, uh <clears throat> i was gonna say i had one thing that was kind of interesting so 
Apparently, cool. Inexile is working on a new license that um, a next-gen RPG. So there was a posting from Inexile. You know, people have done the Wasteland stuff and the original Fallout stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They're currently looking for people to... They're hiring for a new project based on a very ambitious new license, which aims to renew the RPG genre. So they're looking for 3D environmental artists, VFX artists, combat engineer. Um, it's rumored that it'll be an Unreal Engine 5 game. So for them, that'll be like their first foray in a long time into a modern style game that's not using an older engine. Which right. is interesting to me because they haven't done anything like this in a while. Like Inexile has kind of like pulled themselves out of the grave over the last few years of being like a non-existent developer to like really swinging for the fences, uh, arguing, arguably making some of the best RPGs that I've played in a long time, right? Like I'm really into the Wasteland series at this point, right? They redid Bard's Tale, which is good. It's about a four out of five, but for Bard's Tales, it's really fucking good. Um, Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting that they're kind of back on the horse to doing some new things. So, just kind of wanted to throw that out there. But other than that, yep. I don't know that I have much else. Jason, did you have anything else? I heard That's it. pretty much it. All right, uh, Rusty. Yeah, that's it. I've got it. I'm not. I'm done. All right. Well, Jason, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash tiltcast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. You've got Cabbage KBG. You've got For the Love of Gaming, NoQuarters.net, BMFcast.com, TVGP.TV. They also do Picking Up the Pixels. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace.